Welcome to Therapist Unfolding, the podcast that explores individual paths and life journeys of your trusted mental health professionals. I'm your host, Kimberly, an associate marriage and family therapist on a mission to amplify voices of clinicians of color. I created this podcast as a platform for therapists to tell their stories and for you to experience their therapist truths. So, are you ready to unfold a story? Hello, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, well, I thought we could start by um, introducing your, you introducing yourself, uh, a little bit about your story and a little bit about your cultural background. Okay, so my name is Jesse, and I am a transgender man. Um, I grew up in a Latino background, so I'm, I'm Latino, Hispanic. Um, my parents are Mexican and Honduran. Um, but growing up only with my mom, I feel more Honduran because she's the one who raised me. So, yeah. And I am 29 years old. I'm a therapist at an agency down here in SoCal. Um, so, yeah, that's who I am. Yeah. Um, so, Jesse and I uh, met in college. So, before we either of us were therapists. And um, it's been a while. It's been a while since we actually caught up. I think, th- yeah, just this year was that FaceTime call we had. That was this year, right? Yeah. But before that, it's been, it was a minute, right? Wow. Crazy how time flies. <laughs> I just feel super old right now. So that's a little bit about our background, <laughs> but you mentioned um, coming from a Latino background. There are different perceptions and stigmas against mental health in different communities. And what are some of yours? Mental health was non-existent in my mom's eyes. So if you were depressed, go wash some dishes or go clean, go clean the depression away. Um, and it wasn't until I started going to therapy for grad school that I realized that we weren't allowed to feel our feelings if they weren't to my mom's liking. So if we were angry, they were dismissed and we were seen as bad for feeling angry towards our mom. Um, and so mental health, like we, there was always a negative stigma towards it. Um, if someone was depressed or if there was someone with mental health disorders in our family, it was not talked about. It wasn't until my oldest sister, I feel like my sister Jenny is the one that kind of broke that cycle because she openly was going to therapy for years and she, was, she wasn't she was afraid to be vulnerable and speak her feelings. And I grew up with her, so I feel like I kind of learned from her. Um, and then her and I both got into the mental health field and now it's a little bit different my mom's more open to it and aware about depression um and she doesn't dismiss it that much anymore but growing up it was a different story for sure yeah and and we hear that a lot in a lot of um latino families and even filipino families actually i'm um, very similar as listening to you and i'm like oh yeah me too <laughs> And you mentioned your sister is also in the field. Um, Did that have any influence in your decision to become a therapist? 
I feel like she sparked my interest in psychology, and that's why I wanted to study psychology in undergrad. But not to become a therapist. Um, I honestly didn't know how to go about that until I was sitting with my friend Dakota and having dinner. And he was going to grad school uh, to be an MFT. And he was explaining more about like the different roles we can have as therapists and the type of people that we can work with. And I asked him if I could work with kids. And he's like, of course, of course you can work with kids. And I've always wanted to work with children. Um, so I did more research on how to become a marriage and family therapist after that. And, you know, I became very um, passionate about it. And that's why I applied to grad school for it. Hmm. Is that still what you want to do? Work with kids? Um, yeah, I feel like that's kind of what I want to do now. Uh, it shifted a little bit because now I feel like it's getting more specific working with conservative Latino families. Um, I'm working with their kids, mostly middle school kids, like high school kids. Um, and I want to say, I don't want to exaggerate, let me guess, out of like 34 clients, at least 65% of them have come out to me around there, probably more. And like, I'm the first person that they came out to and so I feel like it's kind of my calling to um, work with the LGBT. Um, I had to get more specific Latino LGBT community because it's still sometimes frowned upon in our Latin community. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to ask more about that role that you have currently. Um, but before that, I'm curious. So back to your mom, back to your siblings. How did they react when you said, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a therapist? My mom was more concerned because she saw how my sister Jenny, at the beginning of her career, was very stressed out um, all the time, um, whether it be from having a really tough session or documentation. Um, and so out of worryment, my mom didn't want me to really be a therapist. She wanted me to be a dentist um, my sister Jenny jokingly was like why don't you become an MSW instead it's better than an MFT but that was just her joking um, she was supportive um, I think my siblings were just excited that I was going to go to grad school my mom was excited too but she was more worried about my mental health with with that so yeah okay so it, it sounds like there's acceptance there already because maybe your sister paved the way for that yeah she definitely did she did a lot of that work um my mom was cool with it at the end she was very proud when I graduated um but as moms do they worry and this is not for everyone to be a therapist um you know we take a lot of information in and we hold a lot of feelings and um so she she's worried about me sometimes but I like what I do so was there anyone that was surprised by it? No. <laughs> uh, I think everyone was like, okay, about time. Because I was that type of person that would go to a bar by myself and meet someone and just give them therapy, like a random stranger. And we would just talk about like their deepest secrets and like helping them cope and all this stuff. Um, so it wasn't really a surprise to my friends. 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember like when when I found out, did I have a reaction? I think I was similar to the friends that you were describing because I remember in college you were always very um, relational. Like I think we had a lot of one-on-ones like in your car or just like at a coffee shop, you know, that one coffee shop. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, so... Yeah, I, I don't think I was surprised either. Yeah, I was. I think I was more surprised because I didn't think about it sooner. But one of my girlfriends at the time, she introduced me to her, her cousin. And she's like, oh, like, you're going through something. Just talk to Jesse. Like, he's basically a psychologist is what she called me. And I'm like, what? OK. <laughs> um, so that's when I started kind of realizing that, too. Aww. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to fast forward us a little bit to now, now that you have transitioned or are transitioning. I am transitioning. So, um, as of the 25th of February, I'm six months on testosterone and I'm working on getting top surgery. Mm. Could you walk us through that journey that led to your transition today? Um... Well, dang, we would have to go back to Yusu Merced days because that's when I first became aware of the word transgender. Um, I don't know if you ever get into those black holes uh, on YouTube where you're just you click on something and then you're like looking at something completely different. So somehow in my suggested thing, um, there was a video of a transgender boy or man. And he didn't do testosterone, but I was curious because there was scars on on his chest. And I'm like, why? Why does he have those? So um, after watching that video of Ryan Casado, I'm like, oh, like, I didn't even know that you could identify. Like, I mean, that's kind of how I've been feeling. I always felt out of place, but I didn't know that I could do that. Like, that was my first thought. And then I'm like, oh, okay, like, that, like, good for this person, but that's not me. Like, I'm a lesbian. Um, so for like, two or three years like that's what I was trying to convince myself um but then I realized like no like when I picture myself getting married with someone I picture myself with a beard um with a deep voice you know with muscles and um like that's how I feel happiest um and I'm grateful that I was born a woman like I appreciate women so much um but I've always felt some discomfort with my body and so I waited until 2015 to tell my family, and my mom did not take that well. She said, well, I don't care if you uh, have a beard, you're still my daughter. And I'm like, okay. Not the best of answers, but she didn't completely disown me, and I think she just, like, pretended like we didn't have that conversation. And then it wasn't until 2016 or 2017 when my friends were like, we need to start, like, being good about calling Jesse Jesse and like using male pronouns. So like they kind of um, were my hype men, I guess you could say like they took it seriously and that was a big part. Um, And then I honestly don't know. Oh, I think it was the insurance um, because now that I'm a therapist, uh, I have insurance. So um, I made the move of like contacting my physician and getting connected with the endocrinologists because I could now. Um, but it was a really long process to get it started. Um, that's like part of my journey is just 
at least through Kaiser, you have to get a therapist letter um, stating that you are transgender. And I just think that's something that they need to work on because I'm almost 30 and like they're basically giving me permission to do something like this. Um, so, but yeah, I don't know if I went on a tangent, but that's kind of how <laughs> my journey started. Um, when I did my first shot, it was during the pandemic. It was bittersweet because um, usually you go with friends or family, but no one could really go in with me. So I had to do it uh, by myself. And yeah, and now I'm here though. It's the best decision I made. So I had a client that I supported through that transition and he um, in- educated me about the birthday and how for some people who go through transition, they kind of have a second birthday, which is when they get their first um, shot or something like the first step towards the physical change. Did you ever have that? Yeah, um, that's how I saw it too. So August 25th is my birthday. I always liked, don't judge me. I always liked being a Sagittarius, um, but I don't know what I am now with this trans birthday. (laughs) Yeah, so my new birthday, I guess, trans birthday would be August 25th. Um, So I'm excited for that year to come up and celebrate that. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And, you know, we've only been talking for like the last 15 minutes and there's already a lot of honesty in everything that you're sharing. So I really appreciate that. Um. Yeah. And so how does your gender identity um, intersect with your therapist identity? Um, so at first I had a lot of, I don't, I don't know if I want to say counter-transference, but I was definitely maybe insecure is the word just because in my practicum site, It was low socioeconomic families that were uh, predominantly Christian and Hispanic. And so um, I kind of know how, I'm not generalizing, but I kind of know how they are, I guess, when it comes to the LGBT. And I know that like working with the kids, like they wouldn't mind, like I connect with kids pretty easily, Um, but the parents are usually the issue with me and it's because they don't really have an understanding of that. Um, So at first there was some insecurities about being a transgender therapist because there isn't a lot of people um, in my field that can say that they're transgender therapists. Um, I know when I was in grad school, a very seasoned therapist professor um, came up to me and she's like, hey, do you know of any good transgender therapists? Because I have a client that just came out and I don't know how to help them. I'm like, no, like probably me, (laughs) like in a few years. Um, But like, just give me some time, you know, (laughs) before I see this client. Um, So uh, what was the question? Like, how does your... How does it intersect with your therapist identity? Um, I don't know. Did I, do you think I answered that question or did you want me to elaborate more on that? Um, Yeah, I... I guess I'm also curious as to how you're using that to your advantage right? Uh, in your clinical work. Okay. So um, that has 
unwittingly been an advantage um, recently, at least with uh, my middle school kids. Um, like I mentioned before, a lot of their families are very conservative. Parents are Catholic or Christian. Um, so I just go in with the presenting problem, which could be like anxious behaviors, depressive behaviors, or symptoms. Um, and out of nowhere, like they'll just tell me like, I think I'm bisexual or I think I like girls and they're, they'll start crying to me. And I think the reason why I'm usually the first person they tell is because I, they can tell that I'm li living my life authentically. Like, um, I'm not hiding who I am. Um, and so when it comes to self-disclosure, I don't know how you feel about that. Um, in grad school, like they made it seem like it was a bad thing. But I think if you, um, if you self-disclose for like clinical purposes, I think it's okay. So sometimes they'll ask me like, can I ask you a question? what do you identify as? And so like I'll walk them through that and then let them tell me what they are and then I'll self-disclose. And then they'll be like, oh my God, like, thank you. Like I finally met someone that I can talk to about this. And I obviously didn't go in thinking that like that was my plan to out them or to have them talk to me about this, but it's always very rewarding to, to have them, you know, tell me this. So, yeah. And that trust and safety that they feel in you know in the sessions it's invaluable like you know they come in with depression anxiety or whatnot and the fact that they can't live a life that they can be themselves fully that can add to those depression and anxiety symptoms that we're seeing um so having that space where they can be themselves is a good respite for them too like yeah, and um, before the, the agency that I currently work at, um, work at right now, I worked at an LGBT um, RBH setting, so... What's RBH again? Recovery Bridge Housing, so it's, I don't want to say a halfway house, but it's very similar, so um, like they're, it's like a stepping stone to find their own housing, their own job, um, when they're recovering from certain addictions or alcohol or stuff like that. And, um, you know, you just kind of reminded me of them, like a lot of them have mental health issues because they were not accepted in their family as transgender or as lesbians or gay. So they resorted to drugs and going on the street and having to cope that way because they didn't feel that acceptance. Um, so I did like an LGBT group in that agency, which was... Um, which was really interesting to see them talk about their history and connect the dots that like, oh shit, like this is why I've been depressed all along. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how my identity um, intersects with work. Yeah, and you're doing amazing work with the LGBT community. Thank you. Um, yeah. And like I said, we it's been a while since we caught up, so it I didn't know a lot of these things. It's just now that I'm hearing about them, and um, it's amazing. Uh, it's inspiring, too. Thanks. Um, knowing that, you know, there's probably going to be a listener or two, if not more, that are struggling to find a therapist that they feel like would understand what it's like to transition and 
we're out there. You're out there, you know? So. Yeah, it's, well, it, it may seem scarce. Like I'm still have yet to meet another therapist that's transgender, but we're definitely, you know, getting in there. I know, um, there's more people of color that are becoming therapists. Um, and you know, I'm just excited to see our community grow in this field. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's partially why this space is created. This podcast um, was created is to let people know that, you know, BIPOC therapists and LGBT therapists, like we're, we're all here where we exist and come to us. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So with that said, what would be something like what's the biggest truth that you would like to share to other BIPOC and LGBTQ plus therapists in our field? Hmm. Well, I don't know if you felt this way. I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing, but I mentioned earlier that I felt insecure. Um, and I think like sometimes I feel insecure with my own therapist cause she's white. Um, so it, my advice would be like, even if you feel insecure, keep going. Like you are worthy. You have all the skills that you need to help these people. You're obviously in school and you made it that far because you have something um, to help other people. And we need more people like us to help, you know, to help our community because um, a lot of us in our community don't, accepts mental health so we need to break those walls and set an example you know that mental health is real and normalize it you know so set an example for our community be there for them be that ear for them and even if you feel insecure keep going yeah representation matters yeah i love that thank you um the other thing is what advice would you give to um listeners who may identify as BIPOC and LGBTQ plus who might be interested in going to therapy it's kind of like going to the doctor right you have a huge wound what's the first thing that you're going to do or what is the doctor going to do he's going to clean it right and that's kind of what therapy is like. You go in because you need to get check. You need to get a check-in, right? A mental health check-in. It's like going to the doctor, making sure you're okay. And we're gonna clean that wound. And it's gonna hurt sometimes, and it's gonna sting going deeper. But that's how you're helping yourself is by going through it, by making sure you clean every nook and cranny, um, and make sure that you work on yourself. You know, uh, I know it's so hard. Like there's. A couple clients or adults that I'm seeing that are, you know, Mexican and in their 40s. And it's really hard to get through it to them about, you know, sitting with their feelings. So it's it's going to take time. But taking that first step of going to therapy is huge in taking care of yourself. Um, so if you're hesitant, you know, look, look at the research and ask as many questions. And if you don't feel comfortable with your therapist, let them know. Um, just because you are assigned a certain therapist does not mean you have to stay with them and you can be honest with them and then they're going to help you find someone that is more suitable for you. 
Um, so like always advocate for yourself. If you're not clicking with a therapist, you can be honest with them. They're not going to get offended or at least they shouldn't. Um, so there's always some, a good therapist for someone and you can always change if you need to. Yeah. Yeah. Shop around. I I always joke with my clients, like, if you don't like me, you can fire me. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather them find someone who's going to be helpful than stick with me and not get anywhere, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I haven't gotten fired, fortunately, but (laughs) it's an option for them. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. So we're nearing uh, the end of our call and I like to play a quick game I call 343, which is something I also play with my clients where I just ask you three fun, casual questions and you just answer as fast as you can. Um, And then, yeah, okay, uh, we'll play that and then we'll wrap up. Um, First question, what's your favorite item in your therapy office? That's a trick question because my therapy office is my room. So, okay. like, are we talking about my office, like, if I were not in a pandemic? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, probably the couch, because, you know, I like to take naps in between uh, sessions, or at least just, you know, recuperate a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's your go-to practice for self-nourishment, also known as self-care? My go-to? Um, hmm journaling um i really like this eucalyptus aromatherapy lotion that calms me down um playing with my dog and i think the best one for me though is honestly physical exercise so going for a long walk is my self-care okay and i'm excited to ask you this and to hear the answer but what is the most played song in your car do you want me to look at my Spotify? I can tell you right now. <laughs> sure. I'm betting it's Mariah Carey, but... That's what I was thinking. <laughs> we'll find out. Did you get that playlist? Um, the 2020 playlist of your most played songs or whatever? Yeah, but I, I don't use Spotify often. So what? I'm a podcast listener in the car. Oh. Yeah. Oh my god, I think they took it away. Okay. As of right now, I'm embarrassed to say, but this week, it's been Katy Perry, (laughs) the one that got away. Throughout my whole life, it's usually Mariah Carey, like, fantasy or honey. So, yeah. But this this week's Katy Perry and Lady Gaga. (laughs) I hope one day you get to meet Mariah Carey. I think you're one of her biggest fans. I didn't tell you. Like, we literally had a conversation. Wait, for real? <laughs> kind of. I, I went to Vegas, and she has a really good ear, but I didn't think she could hear me. Um, she's like, oh, you know, I wanted to play. We were thinking about playing Can't Let Go, but we're not going to do that. And I'm like, Why? And she's like, oh, clearly, you know, someone's not happy with our decision, but we're going to sing Endless Love instead. I'm like, oh, my God, we totally had a conversation. Like, she's in love with me. <laughs> like, we're getting married. Um, but, yeah, I saw her twice. She's amazing. She still sings amazing. She's the queen. I love her forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
maybe she'll listen to this and she'll be like, okay, I need to find this therapist. <laughs> Call me anytime, Mariah, anytime. um thank you so much for your time and all the the insightful things that you shared today and your honesty really um what where can our listeners find you um hmm. in what way do you have any like social media that you want to share or linkedin or um, an email that they could reach you if they had questions? Um, yeah, if I guess I'm just conflicted because if we're talking as like a person or as a therapist, um, I would want to keep certain things confidential, um, like my social media. But if you have questions, you can email me at jdelatorre17 at apu.edu. Okay. Yeah. I'll, and I'll put that in the show notes too. Okay. Um, yeah. So thank you again for your time. Yeah. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. If you would like to hear more stories from clinicians of color, please subscribe to stay up to date with new episodes. Or if you would like to share your story of unfolding, send me a message at therapistunfolding at gmail.com. Maraming salamat ulit. Take care.